Uh, just so you know, this episode will, uh, we will talk a little bit about, uh, sexual assault. So if that is not something you want to hear about right now, maybe pick a different episode. Uh, otherwise, consider yourself, uh, fairly warned. It's uh, it's a trade waiter in time. It's trade o'clock. <laughs> uh, it's high trade noon. <laughs> time for a showdown. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so sorry. Um, that was pretty bad. What's our uh, what's our book today? Well, our book is uh, or our books are what I thought was a children's series, which it ended up not being called Last Man by. Uh, Black, San, Laville, and Vives. And it's a French martial arts fighting comic. Okay. And, and this we... is going to be the first two volumes this episode. So, spoiler warning, if you have not read these books and you don't want to be surprised by things, you might want to read them because there are some surprises. And this is episode one of a special two-part episode where we will be reading up to the end of volume four of Last Man. Yes. Uh, and it's, at the time of recording, six have been released, and it is a planned 12-volume series. Oh, wow. my goodness. Well, I did not volumes. know that. <laughs> uh, okay. I also pulled up some information on the creators. Okay. Um, so, Bastian Vives studied illustration and animation at uh, Ecole des Gobelins. Uh, after movie-making classes, he, did, he dived into comics, and his first title came out in 2007, Balak a.k.a. Yves Bigrel, works as a storyboard artist, 2D animator, and TV show director in France. Uh, he works with Marvel Comics on their new digital Infinite Comics brand. As a storyboard artist, he worked on Avengers vs. X-Men with Mark Wade, Guardians of the Galaxy with Brian Michael Bendis, uh, Wolverine Japan. Michael Sanville graduated from Emile Cole School, later the Goblins, after which he followed twin careers in animation at the Zilam Studio, and in comics with Casterman Publishers. And it sounds like all three of them went to school together at Goblin, and that's where they came up with the idea for this series. And I think they've worked on other things together as well, haven't they? Uh, I don't know about together, but Balak at least had some experience on uh, two other series. One of called, uh, one is called Lord of Burger, and the other is called Le Casos, but I haven't read either of those either. But uh, they're supposed to be, or they're reputed to be, stars from different mediums in the world of French art and animation who teamed up to create this series. Okay. And then it's finally been brought stateside for us to enjoy. <laughs> Which is a pretty rare thing. We don't get a whole lot of French comics translated into English. No, it's true. I mean, we do get the odd one. I mean, there's, you know, growing up the Tintin, the Asterix that everyone knows, but... It is a lot more rare. I'm trying to think of... What is that, that noir one with the cat? Oh, Black, Black Sad. Sad. Black Sad mm-hmm. really hit, really made a splash over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was the other one, uh, Stardoll. Oh, which yeah. Which I read the first book of, which is another standout series. But mm-hmm. it, I, I would love to read more French comics. I always have a hard time because I can't wade through the French criticism of comics. If that makes sense. <laughs> like, I, so I don't hear about French series. Right, And so, right. like, if I could hear about a French series, I could look it up, and then I could find it, and then I could figure it out. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I don't hear enough about French series to know what I should be looking for. And otherwise, it's just like, well, here's all of French comics, which <laughs> might as well be like saying, well, here's all of comics, yeah. like you do here. Uh-huh. It's kind of hard to know what to pick up. So, huh? I'm always excited to read something mm-hmm. from a European group. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we haven't introduced ourselves. Jess, do you have a character revealing question so we can do that? Yes, I've been thinking about this question for a couple days, and uh, since it's a fighting comic, I was thinking, if you were in an ultimate fighting championship, who would you pick as your champion to fight for you? Wow. So this can be a character from history, or it can be a fictional character. And the goal is to win. To <laughs> <laughs> this fighting championship. 
So the character is fighting on your behalf? Yeah, they're your champion. So we don't actually have to be in the ring. No. Because I'm pretty sure I would lose no matter who I was up against. Okay, so it's the ultimate showdown. Mm. Alright, so my name is Jeff Ellis, and I'm, uh, as probably usual with this podcast, going to go with a really cliche, predictable answer, and I'll say I would have Wolverine fight on my behalf, because he's got a healing factor... Uh, he, basically unkillable, and he's got uh, blades that pop out of his fists. So, I mean, I, and he's Canadian. So, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think I can go wrong there. Uh, <laughs> I'm Jam, and I'm gonna pick One Punch Man. Oh, nice! Oh, <laughs> oh, no. oh man, I would no one else stands a chance. Yeah, because that is basically the whole premise of One Punch Man is that he can take literally anybody out in one punch <laughs> to the point of frustration because he can't find anyone to fight. <laughs> <laughs> it's a possible future trade readers pick. Yeah, sure among of that. No, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. You, you don't know One Punch Man? I know. I've been watching it on oh. Netflix. Yeah, yeah. yeah the it's mangas. Good. Good. I like I've it. read the first volume. I liked it. <laughs> they all started as mangas, John. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> Yuri on Ice didn't. No, that's true. Yuri on Ice okay. didn't. Cowboy Bebop didn't also, which oh. was in the news today. Oh. Okay. Huh. There was um, a manga mangazation. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Which is never as good. Uh, Alright, my name is Jonathan Dalton, and uh, I just uh, watched a nerdy video on YouTube about Andrew Jackson, so I'm going to pick Andrew Jackson because he's a horrible human being who is super racist and committed genocide and may in fact still be the worst U.S. president in history, which... I think he's saying something at this point. Um, but he was also fought many duels while he was president. Uh, and I think uh, if I needed someone to murder people on my behalf, he might be the one to pick. <laughs> and how fun would it be to see Andrew Jackson punched in the face by one punch round? Right? There you go. <laughs> so really, win or lose, whether my champion succeeds or fails... Good news for me. Yeah, nice. A grim but good choice. Um, I would probably pick Godzilla. Also, my name is Jess. First of all, my name is Jess, and I would pick Godzilla. Um, Ooh. Because I just really like Godzilla. That's valid. That's valid. <laughs> so, we are short by one. Does anyone uh, want to let our listeners know why Kathleen Gross is not joining us today? Well, somebody told me that she had some uh, bad fish soup and wasn't feeling very good after, so yeah, that's she why was, she's not here. She was really excited for the uh, podcast championships here, but that <laughs> yeah. fish soup took her out. But in case you didn't know, uh, there will be one of us still standing at the end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it will literally be the last man or woman standing that's how serious we take this podcast. Wow. Last person. <laughs> so can we start by talking in the title, because I still don't get it. <laughs> okay. It's never really explained, is it? Yeah, it starts with a tag team tournament. Yeah. So it never actually goes down to the last man in that first tournament. Yeah. Last men's? Last man's. There are many. I, I've decided there must be many last men. Every book, there is a last man, um, and then it's a different last man the next time. Right. I think it's uh, all will be revealed in volume 12. Okay. You'll <laughs> <laughs> so uh, have to read wait. it all the way to volume 12, and then you'll be like, oh, that's why they called it Last Man. <laughs> Here's my other pet peeve about this title. It is so difficult to Google. <laughs> it's very similar to Why the Last Man, mm-hmm. which is probably much better known in English comics than in French comics, which may explain the... Conflicting titles, I don't know, but yeah, you're right. So just in case you didn't pick this up through the images or the whatever the description of this podcast, if you just stumbled across this and you're like, oh sweet, a podcast about the last man. We're not talking about why the last man. It is a different last man. <laughs> but or man. just make just check check the picture of the, the title, make sure you're reading the right one or it's gonna mm-hmm. be a very confusing podcast for all involved. <laughs> if it's not a book by a bunch of French people, you've got the wrong book. Yes. So, Jess, do you want to get us started? Volumes 1 and 2. What basically is Last Man? I can read the back of Volume 1. Sure. It's a pretty good summary. Okay. Adrian Velba is excited to compete in the annual games, a gladiatorial contest, but his hopes are crushed when his combat partner falls ill. 
His luck changes when the mysterious Richard Aldana appears as his new teammate. Nobody knows what to make of Aldana, a cigarette-smoking tough guy in this medieval realm where fighting magic reigns supreme. Issuing spells for physical prowess, Aldana helps Adrian as they become the game's top contenders. But who is Richard Aldana, and what is the ultimate purpose behind the games? Hmm. We don't really get an answer yeah, to any, any of that. Yeah, any of these questions answered. None of these <laughs> Not questions are answered. No volumes. No, I mean, uh, I would say there's a, a little bit of, a few mysteries established in book one do sort of get resolved by the end of book two, uh, because uh, definitely uh, when I started reading this, there was a few references with Richard Aldana uh, where they talk about the way he's dressed, they talk about the way he talks, they make reference to the kind of uh, currency he's paying for things with, and I sort of thought to myself, okay, he's not he's not from this realm. Um, now, honestly, with the setup to this, I actually was considering that this was going to be some weird meta thing, where he's like the player in like a fighting game, was like mm. my first thought. I was thinking um, time travel. Well, see, yeah. then they showed the motorcycle and the blanket, and I was like, oh, time travel. <laughs> and then it turned out I was wrong in both counts. Yeah. We shouldn't say <laughs> what it was yet, though. That, we'll have to say that for yes. the next episode. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, and the, so, but Jeff is correct. Like, once we started book one, we, all we knew is that we were in some kind of medieval place with a tournament. We were introduced very early on to this fighting magic. And then shortly after the tournament began, uh, is when Aldana showed up. But Adrian is the other one. Mm-hmm. Adrian is the kid is more yeah. the, the focus of the book. And so, Adrian's a young kid, really wants to grow up to be a fighter someday. He's in a fighting school. He's not really top of his class, uh, and he can't get the respect of his classmates. So he tries to enter the tournament, but his partner gets sick, and it's partnered only, which also was never explained why it's partnered <laughs> only, uh, but I guess it doesn't really matter. Well, I think if they spend a lot of time explaining the rules, that might not be very interesting. It's so mm. important for the story. I, I would right? say that, um, I mean, maybe oh, it's just... Tradition. Like, mm. <laughs> maybe it's my years of watching WWE as an adolescent, but the idea of, like, we have a tag team match, I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, like, it, I get it. It like, gets a lot more into the WWE, <laughs> WWE aspect later on. Right. Um, and I used to watch WWE, so it felt more organic to me. But I think it's you still make a really good point. Like for something that's sacred, because this is a, it's a religious practice, the tournament, and there's all of these special rules, and it's tied into their um, faith. I think they even refer to themselves as as pagans or certain. There's me- there's a reference of paganism, which is a mm. whole other thing too. So I figured it was part of their uh, sort of spiritual gladiatorial practice, but something that drew me to this series, because I, when I picked the series to review, I'd only read the first book, is that it was kind of funny. Like, it was kind of this fresh premise. You have a medieval world, which isn't super common in some ways, I found, compared to maybe sci-fi or post-apocalyptic. You have this medieval world, and then you have this guy who, like, doesn't know the customs, who actually, like, fails in some ways because um, he doesn't understand how the fights work and like, what he's supposed to do. He's, like, this rough modern boxer who's also smoking, which is really funny as an athlete, right? <laughs> and he, he's like, uh, it's it's pretty kid friendly in the first book. The protagonist is a kid, and the, as far as the fighting series go, it's not especially violent. I'd say it would be PG thirteen or fourteen up. Um, and then it takes a real turn in the second book, which maybe we'll get into later. Yeah, yeah but... let, let's talk a little bit sure. more about the first book, perhaps. Yeah. So, like, uh, I had the same kind of impression on this first book, and it struck me. Well, what are probably one of my recurring criticisms that's going to come back is that this book is more style over substance. Mm-hmm. It's a very it, and if you accept that, it's it's fine. Like you can tell pretty quickly. It's like okay, well, we're not gonna, you know, if this gets heavy, I'm going to be really surprised, maybe, and it gets weird in ways going on, but <laughs> it never really gets very serious from a character perspective. Uh, it's very fun and lighthearted. The impression that I got of this book was pretty much exactly as we. Uh, read in an article we were just reading, which is they really just wanted to do a mashup of all their favorite genres. And it, it's it's pretty much that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really interesting in the execution. I think the, the way that it's drawn is a really unique style, very dynamic, really fun fight scenes, really fun camera angles that I think they take in this book. So it's a fun thing to read, just the act of reading it as a comic. Uh, but you have to 
take it as that lighthearted thing. So things like, oh, well, why is it a pair tournament? Ah, don't worry about it. Uh, it doesn't make sense. They're fighting. Mm. <laughs> you know, why do they have to be together, this man and this kid? They're, it's not really woven. It's like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know? Like, and yeah. so yeah. Uh, if you take it as that, it, it is what it is. Yeah, I um, I will say when I started reading this, I kind of thought originally like, oh, it's just going to be like a fighting comic. Uh, and I thought, oh, so these two team up and it's this little boy who no one believes in and like Richard's going to show him the way and he's going to like win the championship at the end of this series. So I sort of like saw it all play out in my head and I was a little bit thinking like, oh, I don't know, four volumes of this. Um, so though there's definitely, uh, I think, problems... When it changes, I will say I was sort of pleased that it did change so that it wasn't just four volumes of another fight with another pair. Like, So it was good that they got away from that a little bit. I did enjoy uh, the fact that this was such a structured fighting tournament. I think one of my favorite parts of this early on was just like where he goes into his first tournament and the guy's like summoning the spell... And he just, like, punches him in the face. And then he takes a penalty. And they're like, you're not allowed to punch someone in the face when they're summoning their magic. And he's like, what? And then later, he's fighting someone, and the guy doesn't succeed in knocking him out. But then he still loses because they score how many hits the person gets in. And so he loses just by getting hit too many times. And so I really enjoyed the fact that it wasn't just a, like, fight to the death or, like, fight to knock out that you you could win by knocking someone out of the circle, you could win by scoring a certain requisite number of hits against your opponent, and if someone was summoning magic, you weren't allowed to take advantage of their summoning to, like, knock them out. I, I enjoyed all the... the I enjoyed the complexities of the fighting. And then the actual, like, drawing of the fights, I thought, was just really fun. Like, just the dynamic kind of looseness of the art, I thought, made the actual... When it was an actual fight, I thought it made it kind of enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, like, I liked that it was focused on kind of basically a sport. And, like, I'm not necessarily a sports guy. So, like, normally I wouldn't think of that as being something that I would like better. I would, like, if you asked me before reading this, would you rather read a story about, like, high-intense drama fighting where there's actual stakes or... Uh, like a tournament event, I wouldn't have picked tournament event, but I actually liked it better, I think, in the long run, because then it can be more about sort of the characters. It cuts down the tension, and it, it makes the tension about the characters and not about being stronger than your opponent. It's funny that you mentioned the stakes. Uh, that was one of the things that I think I was missing hmm. in this, if we're going to critique it as a fighting comic. Uh, and I'm someone who's read a lot of fighting comics. I actually really enjoy the, you know, let's call it the shonen tournament genre. Some of my favorite mangas, Naruto, has, like, just over... Well, I guess it's just one, the Chunin exam, but it's a huge tournament arc. And uh, Dragon Ball, obviously, is the originator of a lot of tournament arcs. And Ranma is another one where there's a lot of martial arts fighting. But, you know, it's just the matches felt very fast in this, in the mm. sense that it's like, oh, you're in, and then, oh, all of a sudden you're out and it's over. And it's like there wasn't a lot of tension and stakes in the sense that you get this vague sense of why Adrian is fighting and what winning is going to mean to him. But then you never really, we don't really come back to that. We don't really, one of the things that upset me the most was the end of this tournament where they they showed the final blow but didn't really show how that ended up with him winning. Mm. Uh, so he ends up breaking the Christo, Christo Canyon, I think is his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it all builds up and builds up into how oh, Christo Canyon is this amazing character or this amazing fighter who's never been defeated. And then he just gets punched in the face in the mask. And apparently that's all it took. And then they just <laughs> cut to the celebration of like, oh, well, now you have the trophy. And we never explained what the trophy does, but apparently it's really important. But it's just kind of treated as this MacGuffin later mm. on. And it's like, well, you get respect now, but there didn't seem to be any money, so to speak, mm-hmm. which was going to maybe change Adrian's life because him and his mom were yeah. kind of poor. It's like, I don't know. Like, yeah. Again, style mm-hmm. over substance and I could have used a little bit more of a, a story hook to keep me engaged. Yeah, well, I mean, I really felt like I was surprised that how quickly it was going through and it just it got to the end of the tournament by the end of book two and it was like the twist suddenly was like the tournament's over, and now we're completely changing to something else now. Like, well, that didn't even happen within done. the first book. Yeah. 
So it's just like the tournament ended, and it's like, can you remind me like where this first trade ends? Because uh, I'm pretty it's before sure the, it's before the final fight. I yeah. know that. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, no. The because because right. there's um, book one is uh, what's the book one the called? The Stranger. The Stranger, and then the Royal Cup is book two, so it resolves the Royal Cup, and then it's the chase in book three. <laughs> it's so. just it's it's a an added insult to injury when you spend <laughs> like an entire trade building up to the results of this tournament, and it's such a non-event mm-hmm. for me. Like yeah. I was like, oh, okay, sure. And it's like, again, you have to kind of accept it as like, oh, it's just this fun ride. It's just fun comics. But it's like, oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> I can only take that <laughs> to a point. I, like, I mean, I That will... said, like, I, I do think um, that it was a lot of fun. Yeah, like, sure. It kept me, it kept me on the edge of the seat, of my seat in the sense that I didn't, I never knew what to expect next. And there were a lot of very unexpected things, especially by the middle of the second volume. Yeah. So that kind of started. That's yeah. what it takes a uh, thematic and, like, age-appropriate turn yeah. into, into, from going to, you know, being like, this kind of fun kids comic like, the content just go, go like, it's like step function, it's like 0 to 100, I'm like what? What is happening? This is so inappropriate Yeah, yeah. like, so let's let's describe <laughs> oh. that change now, oh. maybe it's a good time to... Did just... you all have a thought? Though? Oh, I'm sorry, I was, I was just gonna quickly jump in and, and defend the final fight with Crystal okay. Canyon which is, uh, <laughs> I just enjoyed that they set up the dynamic that if you score X number of hits, you automatically lose, and Crystal Canyon basically can teleport. So he's teleporting in, punching Richard, teleporting away, and Richard's down to, he's just, if he gets hit one more time, he's going to lose. And so by smashing the mask, Crystal Canyon can't teleport anymore, and Richard's oh, able to, like... what it is? Yeah, yeah Richard's, able to, that. <laughs> Richard's able to, like, persevere and win the fight. And so I will say... Though most of the fights were kind of a nothing event, the Crystal Canyon one, because it had that dynamic and you were like, oh my god, he's one hit away from losing, I actually was like, oh, are they going to lose this fight? Like, is it not going to go Richard's way? That was the one time I actually believe Richard might have lost a fight. So, like, for me, the tension was there for that one, but... There's so yeah a lot of other problems in book two that yeah. we can maybe no, talk. That's interesting. I had, a, I had a different experience, and it sounds like John and I both didn't pick up the fact that that's what was happening when the mask was broken. Yeah, yeah. It's I didn't pick like, up on it either. Well, I mean, so just the fact that the fight turned, I just was like, oh, I get it. The mask is important. No, you're probably right. It's just, <laughs> that's kind of yeah. cool. That's yeah. that's kind of cool. Poorly conveyed, but if that is yeah. like, that, that <laughs> sounds like a plausible explanation. It's, a good to me. it's an interesting premise. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was that's like the one good thing I can say about book two. So I mean, book two really got weird. It got freaky. Like I, I made a note specifically. Like I think for me, it all turned when he did the fight with uh, the male female duo. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's weird. And I am the, right there on that. The page. redheaded girl. Like uh-huh. okay, I'll I'll summarize. Um, <laughs> so like, there's a. They're fighting a pair, and there's a big goon, and this little, like, petite red-headed woman with, like, a ninja mask, and Richard barely is able to take... Or no, was it Adrian? Adrian takes out the little guy, or the big guy? Uh, no, yeah. no, Richard breaks his arm. But that's it. Richard just brutalizes the giant and beats him up, and then the redhead comes in, and I actually thought, like, oh, here we go. Big, beefy guy gets taken out by Richard. This woman is going to just take him out. She's be tiny and fast. And and then he's like, hey, I recognize you. He tears her mask off, and it turns out she's the redheaded woman that he had had sex with at the beginning of the story in book one. Yeah. Which I was like, oh, a twist. There's going to be some emotion behind this fight. <laughs> like, she's going to have a reason to want to beat him up. And then she just, like knocks him over and starts tearing her clothes off and tearing his clothes off and she just starts screaming, take me, take me. What? Why? I like, don't know. And it didn't make her explain. any no, sense. And they never, never explained it. They no. never explained it. Yeah. Like, she sniffs his armpit, so I was like, I guess she's got <laughs> hyper pheromones or something, but like, they never addressed this. And yeah, like, I would say that was the moment where I was just like, what is this story? And... Why? Why? I don't understand. Yeah, it was a very, very bizarre turn. That it definitely took me out of it, let's say. I don't know. Like, I, oh, yeah. I didn't enjoy it. I, I didn't enjoy it at all. I thought it was, like, really violating that yeah. he rips off her mask, like, mm. and that they portray her like this. Well, mm-hmm. 
Like, it just, it was terrible. But I was like, super disappointed. Yeah, but, like, I mean, that's, like, to me, like, when you tore her up her mask, like, that part, I'm like, okay, so you're giving her a reason to, like, want to beat him up. But then they're just like, nah, she just wants to have more sex with him. I'm like, well, what? And it, Why? The way they like, were drawing it made it seem like it was either some kind of spell, like, yeah. some kind of spell that she could take his power and then turn it back onto him, but then it didn't go that way, and then it was looked like it was almost a spell that was hindering her. It's just not explained. It's like, just there's no reason. flatly not explained. Yeah. And then the fight just ends. Yeah, and they don't yeah. talk, there's no debrief afterwards. <laughs> like, there's no, yeah. just like, what's the fallout? What, what just happened there? Like, they have, like, two people in the court, like, gossiping about, oh, she tore his clothes off. <laughs> but, like, they don't ever explain, like, why. <laughs> that's, that's surely, that's not a normal thing. Like... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. We, we don't have any indication whether or not, not it's a normal thing. And, yeah. I mean, and to be honest, like, I mean, I I thought that was kind of unsettling. But then I have to say, then you go, they go to the royal court before the final fight, and Adrian has this um, heartwarming. Oh, do you want to talk about that first? No, I just wanted to show okay. it to you. Sorry, wait, <laughs> what are you showing? Uh, our Richard in the shower pictures. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now I will say when they go to the royal court. <laughs> Richard has a shower, and they do, like, a sexy shower scene with Richard. And I will say, finally, we get a sexy <laughs> shower scene with a male character. It's about damn time. And it's, um, it's five pages yeah, long. Yeah, five pages of a man showering. Of a man's butt. Like, yeah, no, but I'm saying, like, hey, good, especially considering the way that the artists keep handling Adrian's mom, you got to throw some man in there, too, like, for equality. Yeah, you and, know? Uh, and the way Adrian is drawn, not not Adrian. Richard. 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 Adrian's a kid. Yeah. Uh, the way Richard is drawn is very idealized male as well, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. so, like, you know, for as much as Marianne, which is the the mother character in this uh, yeah. story, uh, is drawn very, very idealized, and she's just constantly referred to as a bombshell, yeah. and Richard's constantly like, hey, your mom is hot, and, like, yeah. everyone else in the city is like, hey, your mom is hot. And it is, <laughs> it's not even just a, like, hey, like, sliding it in there. It's like a major crux of the plot uh-huh. is that Miranda's it's, it's important. Uh, yeah. And so, like, yeah, Richard is, is naked and there's a lot lavished on that. Yeah. And then some woman just comes in and grabs his dick, like, oh, sure, whatever, in the shower. And then she steals his bag. Yeah, that was a ploy. And then that, <laughs> and then it turns out that that bag meant nothing and was not important at all, <laughs> and there was no point to that scene. God. But then they spent, like, you know, twenty pages about how it was so important. Yeah, yeah. And like, they never got to they it. Show, they like, show the nefarious bad guy who like, mwahaha, I have his bag. And he looks inside, oh, I've got him now. And then Nothing comes Richard back. like beats up the woman and steals his bag back and like Does he over. does he actually even get to that? No, point? he gets I his bag even... back. He 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 beats someone up and gets his bad bag back at some point. Oh, that's right. Um, he does get it back from yeah. the the accomplice. Yeah, the right. woman who again, I don't, I lost and, that and woman. Yeah, and she's not. She's not. We lost that. Don't worry about it. We don't know she who she matter. is. Still don't know. I, three for weeks a later. while, so there's this woman with black hair mm-hmm. and like a birthmark. Yeah, mm-hmm. who is the one who stole the bag? And she looks like she was really talented and like a ninja esque kind she of person. She seemed like someone important. Yeah. yeah, but then she dropped off the map completely. Yeah. Maybe she'll come back and buy book seven. We don't know. Yeah, but uh, for a while, I thought maybe she's the queen. That would be yeah. cool, but no. Yeah, but okay, so. <laughs> and all, there's all that going on, but in the midst of that, Adrian goes into the kitchen, and he meets this cook, <laughs> and the cook and him have this really heartwarming interaction. The cook is, like, so friendly to him, and he, he like, like puts, like, a jasmine, like, flower into boiling water, and it turns into a flower, and he's like, if you eat this, you'll be a champion. And, and Adrian believes him, and it was so, like, heartwarming... It was one of my favorite scenes in the book. And then Adrian is feeling so good about himself, and he's feeling like a champion, and he turns a corner, and Richard's having sex with his mom. Yeah. And I, that was so upsetting. I was legitimately upset that suddenly Adrian... Because you built up this sort of, like, pseudo-father-son relationship. Like, Richard's trying to be a little bit of a mentor to Adrian, and that's the direction I thought this book was going in. And so no, you just suddenly have your main yeah, but you suddenly have your main <laughs> character like the little boy has to see his mom having sex with Rick. Why would you do that? Like it's actually really, really upsetting. Sense. It's like, like I put it down. I was like, it was 
Like it's really quite bad. No, she, yeah, I, yeah. Like, it's a it's a betrayal of Marianne as a character as well, who's yeah. like always portrayed as very mature in this book, you know, mm-hmm. and like very responsible, and she's always out to do what's best for her son. Like yeah. I will say, Marianne like is for for being probably conceived of as primarily eye candy. She's given a substantial role and a lot of yeah. weight to her character, a lot of dimensionality. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this uh, this sex scene is a total betrayal of yeah. everything that they've set up so yeah. far. Well, because like, you have Richard flirting with her and she's just kind of like, eh, yeah. not it's right like, now. Not, not the time and the place. And then apparently, after like, dressing him... It is the time and the place. <laughs> well, no, like, apparently, like, she spent the earlier part of the day lecturing him about this. Like, uh-huh. well, you know, this is the royal palace and decorum's very important, but sure, let's put on the balcony where anyone could walk across us. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like, that that fits yeah. <laughs> with everything that you've said and done up to this point or not. You know, uh-huh. like, uh, it was it was upsetting on so many levels. You know, as a, yeah. for Adrian, it was upsetting. For the reader, it was upsetting. As Marianne's character, it was upsetting. And yeah. uh, I don't know if it made much sense other than no. the fact that it's like, well, we need them to be together by the end of this scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What's the thing? Because like Richard's even like, I don't know what to do about my bag that's been stolen. And she's like, Don't worry, Richard, we'll figure something out. And then just like, let's start. F- it. Yeah, it's like, it basically was what, like that, right? I mean, it's it sounds very abrupt because it was. And you know what's really sad about this series is like, I think it has a lot like working for it, and a lot of it's really fun and good. And then the scenes that don't make sense and are bad, like they're not even scenes that needed to be in there. Like they they could easily just not have happened. Like, the bad scenes don't even make sense anyways, so I don't know, like, Yeah, they're, why? They're, the plot doesn't hinge on them. Yeah. They don't need to be there. They could have been this uh, this great, you know, all ages or, like, 14-plus series, and yeah. then there's these... The scenes that are the most, like, violent and sexual and inappropriate, like, don't make sense. Yeah. It's like and, a self-sabotage, almost. Yeah, and they didn't, didn't need to be there. Yeah. Right? It's just, like, needless. Mm-hmm. So then, now are we ready to discuss the twist of book oh, two? Oh, let oh, me yeah. talk about the twist, because I love the twist. <laughs> oh. I don't know how anyone else thought about that twist, but as soon so as there was the like... the tournament ends. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Richard is like on his way out, like he's, he's hightailing it out of town, uh, and then there's someone looking for him. Someone shows up out of nowhere, who's wearing sunglasses and mysteriously modern clothes, and he has a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as soon as I saw that, I was like, whoa, I was so into that. And then not only that, but then it turns out that Marianne has a motorcycle. I know. Yeah, this yeah. is a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And then they go to like the edge of the world, basically. And there's this mysterious mist. No. Oh, sorry. That doesn't happen until the next book. Oops. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. That's great. But so this is the they, end there of is they a mysterious map. They drive off. They drive off the on a motorcycle. They drive off to yeah. conceivably the edge of the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... From the perspective of the end of book two, mm-hmm. I agree. That was a very cool twist. Yeah. Uh, I was really, really happy. I'm like, sweet, even more leverage for Marianne as a character. Yeah. Uh, she's badass. I really like Marianne with her hair tied up. I mm-hmm. think she looks really cool. And I like that, you know, she d- displays this kind of casual competency about it. Yeah. Where she's like, yeah, you know, this isn't from my world, but sure, I can do it. I can do it. I know exactly how this works and how to fix it and how to, you know, conserve fuel. <laughs> yeah. Say, I want to say, God. like, um, that, uh, like, apart from that one scene, I think this will come up more in the next episode, too. I really liked her character, and I really like her relationship with Adrian. That's true like, as well. I can't even think of another, like, mom-son relationship in a comic that is anything like this in any other comic I've read. Mm-hmm. Let me think for a moment. I think you're right. It's it's rare, yeah. if anything. Mm-hmm. Especially in, like, an action comic. Yeah, I, I will say that um, as much as her character fell when she was on the balcony with Richard, uh, when she just, like, pulls the blanket off the motorcycle, and it's just like, Adrian, put this helmet on, <laughs> throws the goggles on, and just flies down the road. I was, I was like, this like, is called a motorcycle. You've never this, seen anything like this. This is cool. <laughs> um, but see, now, maybe, maybe again, maybe this is something I picked up on that I don't know if you guys picked up on, but I actually felt like that motorcycle was something Marianne had squirreled away, and that I feel like maybe she came from the other world like she maybe already she's come across from where Richard had come from and this is her like she's kind of making this reveal that like no I'm also an other worlder and I'm gonna go get Richard I'm like, not sure how this information is doled out but it did seem like she she does mention in this book that the motorcycle is not hers oh okay okay yeah, we find out more in the next 
volume. We do. Or two volumes on. I guess, yeah, because the the motorcycle with the blanket on it was the same one that Richard was sitting in front of. uh... No, it was a different one. Oh, so Richard Richard kept his in in the barn with the old man, which, again, not his one. Uh, <laughs> but it was a different motorcycle that she had stored away in her basement, but it was not originally hers mm-hmm. from the way that she had said it. But she had experience with it and knew how to ride it and yeah. what to do. Oh, yeah. So uh, Adrian asks Mom, whose motorcycle is this? And then she says, not mine. Right. That's it. But she knew where it was and she yeah. knew how to well, use it. It's in her she house. She kept yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. kept it. Yeah. So uh, it had come into her possession, but it was not originally hers. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, I got a fun uh, drinking game for our, our listeners, which is if you're reading Last Man and there's a plot point that's not explained, take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, like six shots at this point. So uh, take six shots right now. <laughs> <laughs> we got to bring that up in the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. And take a shot. Yeah. And that's just like, oh. All right. Um, so I have some thoughts on the art. Sure. Uh, I think I might be the only, uh, an outlier in this regard, but I didn't like the the sort of the surface qualities of the art, like the um, the panel layouts and the composition and the like panel to panel transitions. All that stuff was great. Uh, the poses were great. The expressions were great. Like the characters, the designs were great. I liked all that stuff. But then, like just the the line quality is this kind of scratchy digital pen thing. I didn't like that. It's an, uh, there's a definite animator's aesthetic, right? You know, in terms of the economy of line, like they're almost gesture drawings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I wouldn't describe it as Linclair, which is another simplified style, but Linclair does retain all of the information and the information does look complete when you see that. Mm-hmm. Whereas this does seem really abbreviated. Like uh, a lot of the lines just aren't finished and it's, the shading is also very abrupt. Like you get a few gray tones. Mm-hmm. Like it's not very, not very rendered. Let's say uh, it's not bad, but I'm kind of with you where it's, it's not my favorite style. I I like inks with a little bit of weight and texture to it, and this animator type of style has always kind of left me cold mm. for some reason. Even though it is so unquestionably dynamic, and it just it's. It looks like animation, right? It's beautiful mm. objectively, but yeah, not I think, for me. Yeah, I think if it was animated, it wouldn't bug me so much. Mm. It feels like there's something missing from this, and if it was in motion, that would be the thing missing. Mm. I don't think that's the only way to do it, because like in uh, the volumes that we're going to talk about next episode, like there's more shading, like more sort of 3D cell shading kind of stuff, and that I think also kind of fixes it up. Mm. But like in the first couple volumes, it's just like the flat tones... And it's just, it's not enough, at least for me. That might just be a personal preference. Well, I, I, we talked about this earlier, and I will say um, that it it felt to me like I was reading thumbnails. Mm, yeah. Like I was looking at the rough cut of, like, this is how we're going to make this finished comic. But I, I don't know, I, I did sort of enjoy the gestural fluidness of it because I do sort of just enjoy that. I like sort of loose gestural expressive comics, but I could definitely see how in some ways it it, it feels a little bit unfinished that you're sort of expecting there to be more detail to have a little more cross hatching or something. And yeah, it does definitely feels like you're looking at like kind of the rough draft before the finished art. And that's a matter of personal taste as well. Like cross hatching is not the be be all and end all of comics. Right. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I, I agree there was something, let's say, lacking. But, I again, going back, I, I agree with you in terms of, like, choice of moment, if you want to call it that. Like, the way that panel-to-panel the transitions worked really well, it kept everything very fluid and dynamic without you losing track of what's going on, which in a fighting scene is really, really difficult. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and, like, for a French comic, like, it doesn't read like a French comic. It reads like a manga. Yes, I agree with that yeah. as well. Yeah. I think, um... I don't think I'm on the same page with you guys for the art, though I think those are like really good and interesting comments, because to me it feels too intentional to feel unfinished, because um, I don't know what you'd call it, but like, it's like this, the the core of the of the drawings is so good, like the, their understanding of like anatomy and posing and composition, like it, it, they all, it all looks like a first drawing, but like it's really fresh and well done, like it's overlaid this like incredible knowledge, mm. this incredible art knowledge, although the drawings are very like quick and loose, 
Um, and I found it kind of like liberating to look at because I always want to make stuff look really like tight and finished and then there's this like deadness to it whereas these drawings are um, so gestural it feels like a, a bold and exciting move and that's actually one reason I really like this series it, it was the art and the compositions and uh, I would recommend the series specifically for anyone who's making an action comic because mm. um, I use this as a study actually for some compositions because um, that's I just thought they did a really great job my, my big art criticism, actually, for this is that they don't really use the comics medium effectively. Um, there's not really any special techniques in here. It's sort of just square, all square panels, like all um, geometric panels. Um, hmm. It's like reading a movie in that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a bit like reading a movie. The novelization of the comic. <laughs> yeah, which would be like my my big thing. Which what's wrong with just using square panels, Jess? <laughs> Some of us like square. to use square panels. Nine by nine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, we've got a little bit of time left. Any uh, other thoughts? Well, another moment that really pulled me out of this book was like <laughs> Master Jansen's total oh, yeah. mental breakdown. Yeah, that was not. That funny. just came out of left field. Mm-hmm. Like, also, not explained. Yeah, and, but like, I mean, sorry. Does this is, mean we should it, all take a shot? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> is it? I mean, is it me or I? I read this as like he's gone insane. Like someone's cast a spell on him. But it seems like they just like no, it's character development. It's a character moment. No, he just thinks that uh, Adrian's mom is hot. That's all. He's and been driven to madness by her hotness. And, She's yeah. that hot. <laughs> <laughs> like. But like, why? I don't. Why would you write a stupid scene like that in your comic? I don't understand. I think like the one interesting thing it did is it shows that Marianne is, um, she's not really like looking for romance. Like she turns this guy down. It's like implied she's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm careful with who I pick, and I don't open my heart easily. Which is why the whole... Unless you're on a balcony at the yeah. palace, apparently. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It also, like, this relationship could be really strategic in her life. I mean, he's, uh, he's obviously very wealthy, and she's mm-hmm. obviously very poor. So, so like, she's, she's not... not interested in anything strategic. Yeah, I think her reaction to that scene, like, is very in character. It says a lot about her, like, but... I don't know. I'm not sure that's worth the trip. But like, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I understand that Master Jansen was supposed to be set up to be like the kind of uptight, goofy, like kind of ma- like master of the dojo that like Richard is up upending mm-hmm. and like kind of taking over, taking over, training Adrian, taking the love of Marianne away from him. Uh, but just like it was just such an over the top. See, like, I don't understand, like, why you would do such a, like, ham-fisted hack, like, overdone. <laughs> like, like, I, who would do that? Why would some, why would you just, like, fall apart and, like, just start crying and groveling at someone's feet? Like, how is that going to impress I think I think person? if his, like, if his, like, love. If, if this was, <sighs> like, if this is his, what, what he feels, I think if his, uh, if what he did was significantly toned down, it would make him a more interesting character than this, like, over-the-top, like, well, now he's not, like, I don't care that he's some great martial arts master, like, he's obviously just a joke. Yeah. That's, I mean, he just turned into, like, a one-note joke. And, mm-hmm. it's and like, he was never really shown to be a martial arts master. No, that's it. true. Well, I mean, not, yeah, it's In right. a frustrating way. Like, not that he needed to be a master, but it was just, like, I don't understand... I don't know. It's like so many things in the story, like why was that here? What what was the purpose? Yeah. Well, it's like why? it's almost uh, it's almost in the way that I agree. Like the underpinning of the art, it shows a great a great knowledge and experience as an artist, but it is kind of hastily constructed. The writing kind of feels that way too, mm-hmm. where it's like these people have written something before and they know how to keep a scene engaging and kind of dynamic, but then you're kind of missing something. Like it's just it's. It's intentionally unfinished in a way that I dislike. It's a victim of its own freshness. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, that reminds me, though. There was one thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, I found something on Broken Frontier. It's a interview with some of them, and they're talking about their process, mm. which is interesting because there's three creators, and it doesn't attribute who does what because they work co- very collaboratively. Uh, so let me just read this quote. Uh, it says... How it works is that Bastien gives the main directions of the story, then the three of us discuss it. 
Balak starts to draw the storyboard, cutting the 200 pages into 10 chapters, making sure there's a cliffhanger of some sort at the end of each 20 pages. He puts in dialogue, creates situations and events, and submits the pages to uh, Meek and Bastien, who take 10 pages each of the chapter and start to draw their page from A to Z, uh, while Balak is working on the next chapter. And it goes on like that until the book is done. We have to draw 20 pages a week. And this is the way of working that works best for us. Your mileage may vary, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's just interesting. Like, uh, they've kind of invented a method that has a lot of similarities to the sort of the manga weekly um, thing, but it's still I read still another their own interview thing. that said that that was intentional. That for some reason they wanted to create a graphic novel together, but they the way that it was phrased is that they had to do it manga style. That was like the catch. Mm. And then, like, they were trying to intentionally adopt the manga crunch of it. Okay, mm. that's weird. Uh, I, I agree, it's kind of weird. <laughs> I would never want to do that. I mean, it's a good way to get a book done. It's like maybe if, if you're, you're a do... masochist, like, <laughs> why would you impose such a... If, if you don't have, like, Shonen like... Jump breathing down your neck to get 20 pages done a week, like, maybe don't do... Maybe have about 15? Do 15 like, pages you know a week. I'll, I'll pick, you know... 10% of these scenes, and I'll tell you which ones you don't have to draw, and then yeah. you won't have to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could use an editor, maybe. But, um, no, I, I would say, like, it, you know, see, when you say that, it, it kind of reminds me of when I was a teenager making comics, because I would just start on the top left panel and just work my way down to the bottom right panel. And I didn't really know what was going to happen until I got to the bottom right panel. And that yeah. doesn't really work for anyone except Chris Ware, who claims to work that way. We don't have any evidence to prove, to confirm that. And I, now, to be to be fair, we're being a little bit jokey, but this is, like, not a bad comic. Like, it oh, has yeah. some of these flaws, but it's obviously executed by people who have a lot of experience, and it, it is to a lot of acclaim, and it is very entertaining, and it is very fun. So, despite these flaws, it is uh, the method is churning out comics that uh, can be read. Yeah, like, I would say. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's, it's like my recommendation for this book is like, don't not read it. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's fun. It's fun. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I, I think like for me, like I would recommend this book. I think the the good parts about this comic outweigh the bad parts. The, the, I enjoyed the good parts a lot. I was trying to decide whether I could commit to the phrase that the good parts are good enough to o- out- overweigh the bad parts, and I'm not convinced I'm there yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think mileage may vary. Your mileage may vary yes, is the review sure. of this comic. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, like, I think if if they had actually made this legitimately uh, kid-friendly, I think, hands down, like... Yeah, like read this. Read this with your. Would be gone. Yeah, like (laughs) don't make sense. It would have been such a good comment. Like if they could have just focused on the fighting and had no sexual content, because they it was all questionable sexual. I mean, yeah, just kind of upsetting. Like there's no yeah, all the sex content was just sort of like "Eh, that's a bit questionable. Okay. So like, why not just don't worry about that? Let's just focus on the fights and the tournaments. Um, See, okay. Keep the butt. Like, then the nudity didn't bother me. Like yeah. you can keep all the nudity and just not have any sex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So someday someone's going to take this twelve-volume series and edit it down to a six-volume series that's for kids, and that comic's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be one of the best comics <laughs> yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah. So shoutouts. Um, my name is Jonathan Dalton, and you can find my work at somewhere on the internet. I don't know. Uh, and I want to shout out Monster by Naoki Urasawa because I finally finished it. And I really enjoyed the ending. Uh, like oh, I haven't gotten to the end. No spoilers. Oh uh, no, no, okay, no spoilers. But I have heard. I had been warned ahead of time by several people. Like, don't expect much of the ending. You're not going to like it. I really liked it. Can we read Monster? Um, how if we spend a year? Yeah, well, let's do it like uh, <laughs> bone style, like we were discussing. Sure. Yeah. Bit by bit. Bit by bit. By bit. I like that plan. Okay, fine. We just came up with a really good plan for trade readers. We're all <laughs> going to enjoy ourselves immensely. Yeah. Monster will be worth it. All right. No matter how long it takes. <laughs> okay. I'm Jeff Ellis, and um, I'm sort of in between, like, a little... I'm not really reading anything monthly, so I'm going to just shout out a trade, uh, if that's allowed. Well, this is the trade waiter. Okay. Yeah. It's on the tin. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just shout out uh, Hostage by Guy Delisle because I just saw him at the uh, I saw him right here at the Vancouver Public Library doing a talk on his work, 
And it, his new book, the art was so compelling that I just had to buy it by the end of the talk. Um, so I bought Hostage. I've not read it yet, but it looks amazing. And I, I think you should pick it up because it might be a future Tradewriters episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Oh, and, so, and you can find my work at uh, jeff-ellis.ca. Okay. Sorry. I'm Jem. Right now, probably the most active place is my Patreon. So patreon.com slash jam. The only reason I'm not saying like pay me money that that's the only reason that that's the most active thing is because I just wrapped up my comic, I just finished my final Kickstarter post. Yeah. So all of the books from my Kickstarter have now shipped. They haven't all gotten across the pond into you know Norway and Sweden and South Africa or where they need to go, but they're out of my hair and that's <laughs> nice. And my shout out for this week is to Octopus Pie, which also just wrapped its 10-year run on Monday. And its final trade is going to be launching in July. So if you are a trade raider, there is a lot of good collected octopus pie out there, and soon you will be able to read the whole thing. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. That's so cool. I would definitely recommend Hostage. I just read it recently. I was also at the same talk Jeff was at. Um, I read the whole thing in one night, which... um, Delil said it was upset him to hear because it's like 700 pages <laughs> so Dean, please don't listen to this um, I'm sorry but it was it was really compelling um, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time so that's great and um, since that was Jeff's shout out I'll shout something else out <laughs> and uh, I'd recommend um, Sticks Angelica by Michael DeForge that's his I think that's his newest work and it is just a wild bizarre ride through the Canadian wilderness with a folk hero, Sticks Angelica. So it's really good new work. And it's unlike his other work. So it's a good surprise, I'd say. I do a webcomic called Liquid Shell, and you can find it at liquidshell.tumblr.com. And our next episode will be the next two volumes of Last Man. So sit tight, because we haven't actually uh, succeeded in narrowing ourselves down to just one final contender. So get out your Jim Bean. And, uh, <laughs> you're smirred off. Get ready to take some shots. The Trade Waiters is presented by Cloudscape Comics. Thanks to the Vancouver Public Library for letting us record in the Inspiration Lab and Sleuth for the music. You can find us at tradewaiters.tumblr.com as well as iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Thanks for listening.